are going to jump into our lesson. So if you are uh, joining us for the first time visiting, we're doing this series called Treasuring God, and um, it's, it's been pretty interesting because if I were to ask most good church-going, God-fearing people uh, if they treasure God, the answer is usually yes. Most people are like, yeah. Um, but what we've been doing is then breaking down the nature of God into smaller parts or facets of who God is, and then asking that question, do you treasure this? And you can still say yes, I hope you say yes, but at least it gives us something to think about. Like, is it, is it really yes? So do I, I treasure God, but do I treasure community? That's a part of who God is. I treasure God, do I treasure hope? Do I treasure, um, or some of the others, devotion? Do I treasure the... Um, uh, the promises of God is what we looked at last week at the park. And so today, I'm just, uh, this one is probably the hardest, one of the hardest. Uh, because there's a part of God that you have to discuss. You, you, can't, you can't talk about, you can't even think about God without thinking about this aspect of who God is. And yet, theologically and biblically, there's a lot to this that that uh, has just confused people and made people scratch their heads over the years. And some of you, I'm just warning you, now, some of you are like, there's, there's no confusion to that at all. Like, I've understood that since I was a small child. And I'm, I'm sorry, but that's probably just because we never really dug into it or challenged it. We're going to be talking about treasuring the age to come. Another way to say this is, eternal life, or the, the afterlife, or heaven. And I've preached on heaven before, and so you may, if you remember that lesson a long time ago, um, ah, guys, I just, I just don't preach on heaven much. Why is that? Is it because I don't, is it because I don't like heaven? I love it. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to find out what it is. <laughs> but as we're going to see, to say that I definitively know what heaven is would not be uh, accurate. And so we're going to kind of dig into the ideas of eternal life. Sometimes, it's a little tricky because I think sometimes Christians treasure heaven maybe too much. Like, well, is, is that even possible to treasure heaven too much? Yes, I'm going to say yes. It is possible to treasure heaven too much because usually what we find is that it's an image that we have created and held onto in our brain. And then that's the thing that we treasure. We, We treasure our idea of what heaven will be like. And if we were to ask everybody in this room or poll 100 people, you know, what is heaven going to be like, you'd get 100 different answers. Everybody in this room would probably say something different. Now, on some of the things you might be like, you know, it, it's going to be like this, and some of them may line up. But the longer you go, keep describing it. Keep it, telling me what heaven's going to be like. Eventually, every single person is going to branch off into their heaven. And, and that's what we just have to be very careful of. And so, I don't know if you've ever seen these two movies. This is uh, what, dreams may, what Dreams May Come with Robin Williams. 
And uh, it's, a, it's a movie about where this guy goes to heaven. And then this is just a still frame from um, uh, The Five People You Meet in Heaven, which is a, a movie and a book by Mitch Album, who's from Detroit. Five People You Meet in Heaven. The crazy thing about both of these movies, and they have their, they have their like, beauty and the flourishes and like their, their really cool ideas. And there's sometimes when you watch them, you're like, man, I hope that's what it's like. I would love it if that's what it would be like. My problem with both of these movies is that there's not really, like, God is not present in either of these stories as a central figure. And what I have tried to do over the years is take everything that I think heaven is going to be and separate it into two categories. The presence of God and everything else. And everything in the, in the, in the everything else category, that is second tier. To the presence of God. Like the intimate face-to-face, crawl up on his lap in the throne, presence of God. And then there's everything else. And and my my problem with a lot of our descriptions as heaven is that it falls under that everything else category. And we're so focused on what it's going to look like or what it's going to taste like or what it's going to be like. like, Will will it look like this or that? Will it be the, the, the animals or will it be like all... And we can go a long time describing things that have nothing to do with standing in front of God. And you might be like, well, if heaven is just eternal standing in front of God, like, that sounds really boring to me. And I get that. I understand. But, but you, that's because you've never stood in the presence of God. If you stand in the presence of God, you might, the idea of boredom might be obliterated from your mind. And so whenever we talk about the afterlife, I'm like, we don't know. We, we, we make guesses. And so we're going to look at, here's some quotes that I, I love. The other thing that cracks me up is when people describe, uh, you see it in the news or you read books or articles like, I died and I went to heaven. And here's what it was like. They don't describe the presence of God either. Like, I'm shocked at how many people love to describe heaven without the presence of God. Heaven without God would be like a honeymoon without a groom or a palace without a king. Teresa of Avila said, wherever God is, there is heaven. And that's, that's where I land on this. Like, what is heaven going to be like? Uh, it's going to be where God is. And everything other than that, I don't really care. And I know Jen's always like, stop, don't say that from the pulpit. Don't say, ministers shouldn't say, like, I don't care about this stuff. Like, but if you say, if God were to come down and be like, heaven is not like this, I'd be like, fine, I don't care. Whatever, wherever God is, if I get to, if I get to be there with him, anything, I'm there, I'm anything. Like, sign me up. John Milton said, thy presence makes our paradise. And where thou art is heaven. And Samuel Rutherford wrote this. It's beautiful. O my Lord Jesus Christ, if I could be in heaven without thee, it would be a hell. And if I could be in hell and have thee still, it would be a heaven to me. For thou art all the heaven I want. And so we're going to talk about like this phrase... The age to come, which is very biblical and it's all over the place, but it's usually translated very simply into eternal life. 
And we have formed like all these mental pictures around what, what is this? And then we put our hope in that thing. And I just want you guys, this is a little spoiler, I just want you to know like if you put your hope in a picture that you created, that's not good. In your brain, you have a picture and then you're going to spend your whole life hoping for that. Uh, I want you to be able to erase everything that it is not face-to-face the presence of God and still be like, awesome, let's, let's do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. And there's, I'm just warning you, there's some theologically tricky stuff when we're talking about uh, eternal life, which we don't have time, but maybe we'll do a teaching night just on this because um, I, I, love, I love doing the teaching nights. Point number one is God is eternal. Now this is... Seems like a no-brainer, right? Like, I did not need to come to church to learn this. But I just want to look at some scriptures that illuminate that God, in who he is, is, has nothing to do with our conception of time, our concept of time. And I'll explain in a little bit more. Oh, thank you, Siri. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. For this is what the high and exalted one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy. Psalm 102, 25. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. And I just say that because it's important for us to realize that God is not even on our timeline. Like, God, he is intimately familiar with our lives, and he's right here with us, and yet... We talk about time in in seconds and minutes and hours and days and months and years. And he's like, yeah, I'm I'm bigger than all of that. Even the way we think about time is not the way that God is made. And the way that I like to think about it is that God, he lives in a realm. And then when he made the physical realm, which is what we are experiencing... One of the things he made was time. So time is an invention of God's. Like when he made, and, that, and that's kind of how I read the Genesis account, with like he made day and night. He created time, and then he created all of these things. He created physics. He created the way that light is going to interact. And he created motion. He created all these things that govern the world that we live in. But he is not in those things. You can no more, like, set God to a stopwatch than you can shine a flashlight on him. He is outside of the things, because those are all created. Time is a created thing. And God is outside all of that. And that's going to come back when we talk about the idea of eternal life. But I want to dip into this thing. We we have to talk about this idea. If we're going to talk about if we're going to talk about the age to come and eternal life, we have to talk about the idea of already but not yet. And this is a common, um, 
commonly like echoed throughout the New Testament. But even in, in the, the Jewish perception of the Messiah coming. So I have these, these, uh, this little timeline. This is just one way to think about this, okay? We're gonna, just four points on the timeline. Creation, the fall of man, Jesus coming on the scene, dying for our sins and all of that, and then the return or the second coming or all the theological baggage that comes with that. And what started was between the creation and the fall was when everything, both the spiritual and the physical realm were perfectly like in, in, in sync and in, in unified. They were, they were getting along the way God had hoped they would all get along. And it was like bliss. And we had, we've had multiple other sermons about like sin and God's giving us authority and choice in his, in his, uh, in his creation. And, and so, yeah, we messed it up. And then we, we ushered in what is called the present age. The kingdom of darkness, sin, and death. And that is going on right now. If you don't know, we are right here. Between Jesus and the return. So we are in this present age. And you see this. You, when you look around, you see bad things. You see death. You see sin. You see evil. You feel it. And sometimes you contribute to it. Sometimes you are the sin in the world. And yet, Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, I'm bringing something new. And he brings the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God includes this idea of the age to come. This is the kingdom of light. This is the kingdom of grace and forgiveness. And this is where Jesus' love rules. But you see the problem with this. Because we're in the overlap of both of these kingdoms. And we get to experience both the kingdom of death and the kingdom of life at the same time. And that is why we use this phrase, already but not yet. Are you in the kingdom of God? Yes, but I'm not in it like I'm going to be in it when it's fully realized. And so that's why we have tension. The church, the church, the church universal is literally the overlap between these two things. And then we wonder why there's conflict. It's, how can you not have conflict when you're in the overlap of these two kingdoms? And so we get to see, this is going to be a little wordy, I'm sorry, but it's so good. Here's four things, four themes throughout the New Testament. And at different points, these four things are communicated by the New Testament authors in both the past tense and in the present tense and in the future tense. And so this is, and they were comfortable doing that. If you did that on one of your papers at school, your teacher would be like, Mark's down for mixing up all your tenses. But salvation, you were redeemed. But then later, you are receiving the salvation of your souls. Until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. Past, present, and future. And that's all in the same chapter of the Bible. 1 Peter 1. Brought us into the kingdom. 
past tense. We are receiving a kingdom, present tense. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom, future tense. What about resurrection? God raised us up with Christ. God who raises the dead and in Christ all will be made alive. And then grace. This grace was given us. My grace is sufficient for you. And then set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed, is to be revealed at his coming. And so it, it, there's, if you're confused, yeah, we're, everybody should be a little confused. That these things are, they have happened, they are happening, and they will happen all at the same time, and there's no contradiction in any of that. And you're like, what, is, but what does any of that have to do with me? Like, what, is, what am I supposed to do with any of that information? I will, I will tell you. Because it's very easy for this to just be like teachy and no actual like heart-level preaching. But here's my question for us. Do I see myself right now already engaged in the work of heaven? Because we, even if you believe in, you know, like, clouds and harps, eternal life. This is your annual reminder that eternal life has to start now. And if you're waiting for eternal life to start when you die, then you're missing something huge. You might love the idea of heaven because you're like, there's no more tears in heaven. Okay, but what are you doing now to increase joy and decrease sorrow in the world right now? In heaven there will be no more death. Okay, but what are you doing now to prolong and improve the lives of normal people right around you? Right now. In heaven, we'll enjoy perfect community. Okay, but what are you doing now to build and maintain healthy community? And if you're doing, if you're waiting for all those things and doing none of them now, that is a, is a peek into a whole other problem with our religiousness. I can't wait till heaven because there will be no more sin. How are we doing battling the sin in our hearts now? I indulge in it, but I can't wait till heaven when I don't have to worry about that. And what I'm pointing at is, do you even want heaven? There can be an idolatry of this picture of heaven with no commitment to actually do anything in our heart. I would hate, I would hate to meet God one day and him say, trust me, you don't want to be here. Because all the things that we do here, you spent your entire life rejecting. So I'm just telling you, this doesn't seem like your kind of place. You're like, no, 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 now I want this. 
trust me, God, now I want it. It's like, uh, I don't know, you didn't sell me. <laughs> you didn't sell me on it. Now here's the thing, here's the thing that is, is like tricky. Hopefully this goes to the next slide. Nope. All right. Zoe Ionios. You do not have to remember that. But those are the Greek words that are translated in most English versions as eternal life. Let's see. Boop. No? Okay. In reality, like, there's a lot of theologians that wrestle with these words. Like, they have wrestled with these words for a long time. And we read them in the, new t- in, the, in the NIV or in a lot of the English translations, and we're like, eternal life. I know, what, I know what eternal means. I know what life means. So I know what eternal life means. But we, but we, we wrestle with Zoe Ionios. And literally what it means is life age or age to come. And the tricky part about this is there, is there is a chance that when we think eternal life, we are not thinking the way that the biblical writers thought. And like I said, and we don't even all agree on that. We think we have a picture of what it'll be like when you die, and that is going to change from person to person. And so to think, to like be so bold as to assume that, that what we're thinking is exactly what Jesus taught or what Paul wrote is, can be tricky. But pretty much anywhere you read the words eternal life in the, in the New Testament especially, you should probably make a little asterisk there, okay? And just say, life in the age to come. And it might not mean eternal life like the way I think eternal life or have have grown up thinking eternal life. You just might need to make a little asterisk. Life in the age to come. And on top of all that, the way it's portrayed in movies or in books or in, you know, religious traditions over the years just might not be the way it is. It might be something else. And all I'm saying is, I'm, I'm okay with whatever that is. And I want you to be okay with whatever that is too. All right, here's some scriptures. We, because I do believe there is something. There is something after this. I'm not, I'm not one of those ministers that thinks that there's no heaven. There is something. And it's echoed throughout the New Testament. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. What he's saying is, if we're doing all of this, all of this self-sacrifice, all of this laying down our lives, all of this turning the other cheek, all of this serving other people, if we're all, if we're doing all of this stuff, I mean, they were being murdered and martyred. If I'm doing all this stuff only to make this life marginally better, we're horrible failures and you should like be sad for us. And yet throughout the New Testament, he's like, don't be sad for us because we know it's not just about this. There is something. Philippians 
3.20, this is what Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies, so that they will be like his glorious body. Any of us with lowly bodies can't wait for this. But, but he is describing there is something. There is something in this age to come. And we get to, we get to partner and participate in that a little bit here now because we're in the already. But there's also a part of it that we're, we're waiting for because it's also not yet. And so there is something. There's something coming after this life is over. And so I don't put all my stock in just this life. This life is not the most important thing to me. I think I got one more. Revelation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And it's this beautiful picture of change happening. All I'm saying is, when we start adding on all these details and all these embellishments and we're saying, this is what it'll be like, we have to be very careful. You know what I'm really looking forward to is just the presence of God. Seeing God. Wherever God is, that's where I want to be. And so when people have very specific theologies and doctrines about Uh, the afterlife, eschatologies, if you want the nerd word. Like, they'll they'll pin all this seriousness to it. Like, this is what we believe. And I remember I had this conversation with a good friend of ours from another faith tradition, and he was like, you got to believe this is what it's going to be like when we die. And I'm like, I don't don't know, I don't believe that. He's like, what? You can't not believe it. I'm like, I... And then I pulled out the, I don't care, and he's like, ugh, how dare you not care about this? And I'm like, listen... If, if heaven is up in the clouds, streets of gold, fountains and harps and all that, awesome. If heaven is a perfect earth with Jesus as our president here, and we get to hang out by the fountain with the lions and the lambs, awesome. I'm down with that, and I'm down with that, and I'm down with everything in between. As long as that's where God is, and that's all I care about. And so, (laughs) I wish Lauren was here, the cardiac rehab person. This is what Lauren's going to be doing for the rest of the summer. She's going to be helping uh, people on the treadmill. Guys, I I look at life as this guy on the treadmill. This is us. (laughs) And when, when we think about eternal life, and we just extrapolate our understanding of time for eternity, 
all we've done is make a, a treadmill that never turns off. Does that make sense? And we take that treadmill and we put it in a beautiful place. And we can walk on the treadmill forever. And all I'm trying to get you to see is that God is not standing on the treadmill. His idea of eternal life may, may not be just what you're experiencing that never stops. It might be something infinitely more beautiful than that, which is you get to get off the treadmill. You don't have to, you're, you don't even think like time anymore. And the problem is, especially in, in churches and preachers, they, we don't know what to do with this. And so some people fight it because they're like, no, heaven is heaven and heaven is heaven. But then some people, they rebel and they're like, well, if heaven is, is no time, then, then there's no heaven and then there's no hell. I'm like, that's not true either. And you're like, well, I don't like being confused. Too bad. It's confusing. But, here's the question. Can, can you learn to treasure that part of God? Or, are you going to hold on to, it, it has to be like this or I'm going to be upset. Here's my last question. Am I longing for some prize? Or do I just want to be close to God? This is, you know, when life is tough, it's good to think, man, but it won't always be like this. That's, that's good. But we can do a little switcheroo in our hearts and now the prize is like our religion. That's why I said at the beginning, like sometimes we can treasure heaven a little too much. Like I want my mansion, I want my streets of gold, I want my whatever it is, whatever that, that picture of heaven is. But my question is, is that what you want? Or, or can we simplify it just to... I want to be with God. No matter what that looks like, I want to be with God. I want to draw near to the presence of God. And then the follow-up question is like, well, then what are you waiting for? Because God offers you that now. It won't be fully realized the way it will be in the age to come. But that doesn't mean that you can't start drawing near to the presence of God today. Like right now. And, and my problem with a lot of like the, like the American Christianity is that it's like, the, this world doesn't matter, this life doesn't matter, people don't matter. It's all about just like get gut through it and get to heaven. And that bothers me because the most central ingredient of heaven is the presence of God, and we can find the presence of God right now. And as we draw near to God, as we draw near to his presence, as we do the things that he wants us to do, we wait. We wait for the age to come where it will be fully realized.
Will that be more awesome? Yes. It will be way more awesome than now. Because now, like, I can't get up off the couch without making a noise. And I can't get back down without other things making noises. Like, my knees are bad. All my joints are bad. Have you seen the video of the little, kid, the little girl who's a baby who, like, drops something and then she's like, ah, and she's making fun of her dad because her dad makes noises every time he bends down to pick something up. Because we're falling apart. Because we are in the already but not yet. But some of the most beautiful aspects of heaven we can start doing today. And we don't need to turn a blind eye to pain in the world, to hurt, to other people, and say, I'm just waiting for heaven. Guys, I, I, want, us, I want us to be the people that when, when we see God face to face, God looks at us and says, I see what you've been doing. You're going to love it here. I see the way you've been loving people. You're going to love it here. Because everything that you've been trying to do, we do that to the fullest extent here. You're going to love it here. Amen? Guys, that's all I have with that. Um, Pat Thorne is going to do our communion this morning. Come on up, Pat.